no sermon preached. There was no altar call given. I was like, I'm doing this right now. That effective communicator part, that has to do with you. That anointing, that has to do with him. So if you don't put that time in, then it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna show when you open up your mouth. And for me, the only thing he's ever given me is a vision. The only thing he's ever given me is an idea. In the same way you have mentored and discipled people privately, that's the way I need you to talk to them publicly. You owe it to yourself to pursue your dreams to the end. And no matter what you find at the end of that road, it will be the purpose and the plan that God has always had for you. Today we have a special guest, Tim Bross. He's not just special, he's helping people believe in themselves by learning that it's okay to pivot. Tim, man, man, I appreciate you for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. I'm glad to be with you, Terrell. Man, I'm glad you said, yeah, I got a brother named Tim, so that was another reason I reached out to you as well. Oh, that's dope. Absolutely. Yes, sir. <laughs> One love. So who are you and what are you doing? Where are you from? So Tim Ross, I am uh, a podcaster at this iteration of my life. Um, and I am from Inglewood, California, Southern California, uh, born to Charles and Maxine Ross, who are from Dallas, Texas and uh, Birmingham, Alabama, respectively respectively. Uh, grew up there. Uh, gave my life to Jesus when I was 20, January 14th of 1996. Uh, moved to Dallas in 1997, and my life has not been the same since. Mm. So you, you gave your life to Christ in January 17th of 1990, what? Uh, January 14th of 1996. January 14th of 1996. This yes, year, sir. I my life to Christ, January 7th of 2023. I'm a little bit, a little bit younger, though. Uh, I salute, <laughs> though, bro. It's a salute, for sure. <laughs> yes, sir. So what what led you to, to give your Christ, to give your life to Christ on January 14th? Yeah, so I was uh, in the back of my parents' church. My parents passed this small church. Um, called God's Way Holiness Fellowship, and I'm on the back row after clubbing all night, and the Holy Spirit literally just, in the sweetest way possible, let me know that I was a sinner and I was disconnected from God. There was no sermon, there was no altar call. This is just me on the back row chilling while the while the while the praise team is is singing. And so, bro, I was so strongly convicted and I was so acutely aware of what he had just told me. I could feel the disconnect from God. And I literally stood up like I was waiting for because it's like a Pentecostal church. So it could have been like three hours before the sermon ever. So I was waiting for some kind of break in the service and they wind up having testimony service. And I stood up during testimony service and gave my life to Jesus. Hmm. So. And I'm sorry, I just interrupted. I've been with him ever since. Like that was, again, there was no sermon preached. There was no altar call given. I was like, I'm doing this right now. There's a lesson in there. There's a lesson in there because oftentimes when things happen in our life, we miss the lesson, but you caught it. For sure. Yeah. What did you learn from it? Well, um, a couple of things. 
is when you hear his voice, you shouldn't hesitate. The second thing is nobody else needs to lead you if you feel led. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, I'm going to wait until, like, I really feel this. I'm going to wait until the service uh, is over. I can't wait till the sermon is over to get my, nah, man. I felt it. I moved right then and there. And that's the way I've been moving ever since. That's scary. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> there, there's a saying that says, I'm not, I'm just going to wait till tomorrow. I'm going to wait till next week. I'm going to wait till next month. Or I'm going to wait till next year to do it. But the perfect time to actually take action is today. Right now. It, it is right now. Yeah. And and a lot of us, many of us, don't know the importance of taking the action today because we have to have a plan around the action that we're making. How that's we what make- we think we, yeah. That's no, what we no. think we need to have. Yeah, yeah. We we think we need to have um, plans around that action. Um, but if we're specifically talking about a faith move, he don't give you no plans. All he gives you is action. Right. And that's that's from Genesis to Revelation. All you see is people moving by faith because he said so. He didn't let them know what all the plans was. He just told them, I need you to move this way or I need you to do that. I'm specifically thinking about Joshua chapter number six. Here's a guy who has to be the successor to an already uh, influential leader. Right. So Moses dies. Joshua winds up taking over for uh, Moses. He inherits, you know, a couple of million people to lead and. He's supposed to uh, cross them over into the promised land. And the the instruction that he's given is to walk around Jericho six days straight and then go home. And on the seventh day, walk around seven times and then shout. Well, first of all, this is the worst military strategy of all time. Like, like. Imagine, imagine the president of the United States giving orders to all branches of our military and telling them, go over to Afghanistan and walk around it for six years. Mm-hmm. Don't shoot. Don't, I know Al Qaeda going to be out and there's going to be bombs and not, don't do that. Just walk around for six years and then in the seventh year, go ham. Right? Like, like, he would have got fired as a president. You know what I mean? They, they, there's probably been a, a revolt from all the generals in the military. Um, so, so a lot of times, guys, action steps uh, sound like the worst plans. Uh, but if you if you just um, obey, because obey, obedience is better than sacrifice. If you simply obey, what you see on the other side is absolutely, absolutely amazing and fruitful. Hmm. There's the because six years is a long time. That that it is. <laughs> What's that? Three yeah, six years a long time. Uh huh. I don't know. I, whatever number that is, that's a that's a long time to wait. That's a long time yeah, to patience. That's a long time to trust and have faith in everything that you're doing 
is working out for the for the best of you rather than the worst. Absolutely correct. This Absolutely is correct. I remember I, I remember when I got married to Juliet, I didn't have a job for nine months. So I'm I'm sitting up every day feeling sorry for myself because I'm getting up in the morning, helping her uh, get off to work and I'm home all day. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I didn't want her to feel like I wasn't trying. I mean, bro, nine months is a long time to go without a job when you're newlywed. And as a man, that, that, that starts cutting into your ego. So I remember thinking one day, I can't, like, I know, I know my wife knows that I'm trying to do the best I can. I also don't want her to think in my downtime, the only thing I'm doing is playing Madden. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> what I did was um, I went to Walmart. I'll never forget this. And I bought a mega pack of uh, Memorex cassette tapes. And I brought them home. And uh, they're 90 minute tapes, 45 minutes each side. And I would, uh, I took my Bible and I would uh, find a book chapter and verse or verses. And I would come up with a sermon and I would preach 45, I would preach a message for 45 minutes on side A of that tape. Then I'd flip it over. And then I'd force myself to take the same book chapter and verse or verses and find a completely different angle to teach it or preach it from. And I do another 45 minutes on that side. I'd also give it a different title as well. So when she came home, she had two sermons to listen to Monday through Friday. So for nine months, I literally preached two sermons a day, five days a week for nine months. Do the math on that. <laughs> okay so i wound up i wound up putting all those messages together and i was preaching them to nobody bro like i'm i'm, I'm upstairs in a in a, a room that we kind of like designated as our prayer room we didn't put no furniture in it we just go out there and lay lay out before god and i i preached those messages twice a day monday through friday and so we talking about 10 sermons a week times you know however many weeks over nine months and the reason why i'm such a effective communicator now is because of all the work i put i put in then the anointing destroys the yoke you you ain't got to be no effective communicator to be that that effective communicator part that has to do with you that anointing that has to do with him but that effective communicator part that got to do with you so if you don't put that time in then it's going it's going to it's going to show when you open up your mouth. And so there's work ethic to this as well. Like this is not just all like man, God did an amazing thing. He does do amazing things. And if you, God did. <laughs> God did. God did and you better have done something as well. Damn, that that's incredible. Um it, it your wife is Jamaican, right? Yes, sir. Jamaican and Bahamian. That's interesting. My 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 lady now she's Jamaican. Yes, and, sir. And what I've learned from you is that you are putting work thing working while you having faith. When That's I started right. working my journey and started 
social media, I didn't know communication was so important because I'm just thinking Instagram is great, cooking is great, but there's so much more that we don't understand. Absolutely. Is what helps people understand. The way you paint the picture with the words to yourself help you understand how to communicate to other people. That's right. Practice. It's the practice. You said something about the military earlier. I was in the Marine Corps. And oh, thank you for your service. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for your support. Yes, when sir. I was in the service, the, I was I was in the service for four years. And mm -hmm. all the lessons that they taught me, I didn't recognize until I got out the military last year. And it was important. It was like, oh, you learn how to be presentable. You learn how mm. to communicate and 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 show up when you need to at the time rather than not having faith. That's right. Faith is so important. I would, I remember a couple, a couple months ago this year, I had gave like a, it was kind of like a sermon or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I gave the, 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 the talk, and it was about having faith with work because mm -hmm. without work, without work, nothing's going to happen. That's sure. That's right. Nothing will, will inspire you to keep going. That's right. You for nine months, Tim. Yes, sir. What did you learn about yourself during that time? Um, man, I got so uh, I learned so much about um, the way I see the Bible because everybody sees the Bible from a different lens. Um, I'm a storyteller, so the stories of the Bible emerge for me. Um, I see the grace of God, so the grace of God every time I read scripture emerges for me. I learned so much more about humanity it normalized humanity for me um i realize that the bible is incredibly vulnerable and truthful and so there's no way i should be reading this book that's incredibly vulnerable incredibly vulnerable and telling me about everybody else's life there's no way i should be trying to stand up before people and trying to act like i got it all together mm. if this bible if this bible was uh keeping it real enough to like put david on blast and I have to keep it real enough to put myself on blast, to never to hide my testimony, to never edit my testimony, because an unedited testimony helps nobody. So I started to I started to see all these themes emerge. And then I got comfortable with my voice. Like mm -hmm. I realized what my voice could do. I realized what my voice couldn't do. I realized when I was straining my voice, I realized when I was trying to I realized uh, when I listened back to certain cassettes, I was like, man, I sound way too much like Bishop Jake's. <laughs> or man, I sound I sound way too much like Noel Jones. Like it's great to have their influence on me, and 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 they've all left uh, these impressions on my on my life. But I can't do what they do, and and uh, conversely, they can't do what I do. So the 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 best way I'm going to uh, offer myself as a gift um, to anybody is to be myself. Hmm. And it's hard. It, that's difficult to do. It's not, yeah, it's it was not, difficult at first. Mm-hmm. At first. So how did you be comfortable with your verb, with your voice? Yeah, so um, I just realized that um, I had this unique uh, opportunity to, like, take all this stuff that was uh, pre-existing in my communicative self and bring it to sermons so I, I started rapping when i was nine years old i was a battle rapper almost got signed to a deal when i was 16. and so poetry and and 
like like uh, rhyme scheme and cadence has always been in there. I did stand up comedy for two years, so humor has always been a big a big part of how I communicate. Period. Um, and so then I learned, you know, how to put sermons together, and so uh, I, I I could actually put a sermon together the same way I put raps together. And then the humor helps to open people up uh, so that they can actually receive truth. Um, and so it, it just became a series of, of kind of like lab experiments with like, I'm gonna put, a, I'm gonna put two quarts of this and, and only a pint of that and I'm gonna mix all this up and I started putting it out there and, and people started resonating with it. And I just said, yeah, I'm gonna let everybody else have their voice back. I'm gonna stick with mine. Because your voice has power. It does, absolutely. Your has power. The way yep. you think and tell stories and how your point, how you start, in, how you start in the beginning with the point, tell your story and at the end, it's like, I'm bringing it back up. That's right. Practicing ever since you was nine. Yeah. You've been understanding and finding your voice ever since you was nine. One thing yeah. I, that I've learned is that it's hard to be us. It's hard to be yourself and believe in everything that you're doing because it takes time. Just because it takes time doesn't mean it's impossible. That's right. It's, Absolutely the correct. Work, the practice, the, the, the effort has to be put into yourself because if That's you're right. not practicing to be better, better will never come because you know, you, you're not pushing yourself. That's right. So, yeah, that's right. You say that you've been doing it ever since nine. So how did how did you learn how to pivot from being a pastor to being an entrepreneur to being a podcaster? How are you able to pivot so perfectly without without hesitation? Yeah, so you know, I, I just think when it comes to you talk about these pivots, all these pivots were prompted by the Holy Spirit. Like none of this was like my idea. It wasn't like, oh, I'm bored of pastoring. I'm about to do something else. Or I'm bored of doing stand-up. I'm about to do something else. Oh, I'm bored of being a nonprofit. I'm about to start a for-profit. Now all this stuff was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And so I just want that to be on record because, you know, the Holy Spirit is out here making me look like a genius, bro. But I didn't I didn't do this. Like I'm not I can't take I can't take credit for God's glory, bro. Like I did I was not out here trying to make these moves and be razzle dazzle, nothing. Like literally what happened was that um uh I I'll give you like twenty-five years in a nutshell. I went to school and studied administration of justice because I wanted to be in law enforcement. So I wouldn't be on this interview with you right now if the Holy, if if God didn't block that door. Because my mother worked for the LAPD for 30 years, and I wanted to be in law enforcement since I was four years old. I wanted to be a homicide detective. Mm -hmm. So um, God closed that door, and the only thing open to me was preaching. I preached my first sermon a month after I gave my life to Jesus. I've been preaching ever since, almost 28 years. Um, and so within all of that, I learned the business of ministry. Within all of that, I got to be around some very successful preachers who were also successful entrepreneurs. I took very good notes. 
you don't you don't get to you don't get the opportunity to be in front of Bishop Jakes and you just ignore it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's not like we sat down and we became buddies and he became my business mentor. But you let me in the room. I'm a, I'm about to be a fly on the wall, and I bet you by the time that 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 day is over, I'm gonna know some stuff that you didn't even think I was gonna know. Cause I'm a, I'm clocking everybody's moves. I'm from the hood, bro. I know I notice everybody. I know where their hands are. I know what they got on. I know how they talk. I know how I I I, I clock mannerisms, everything. And so I learned a lot from Bishop Jakes just because of the rooms he let me in. You know what I'm saying? And then. I got to be around other successful entrepreneurs outside of the church space that were running businesses and that, were, that, that, that had these thriving businesses. And I got to travel the world. So I got to see how people did business in different economies and in different um, uh, uh, cultures. And then I got with uh, Pastor Robert Morris and I got to see how they ran business um, when you already got like generational wealth. Because mm. white people got generational wealth. So I got to see people that didn't have generational wealth and wound up being wealthy. And I got to see people receive wealth and how they continue to maintain that wealth and build upon that wealth. And so I was able to take all of that stuff that I was learning and watching from these incredible people. And then I'm like, I need to start doing some of this stuff. A savings account is not enough. I need to start, I need to start investing in certain uh vehicles like whether that's insurance or whether that's um some stocks or um for me i'm 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 not a stock person as much as i am like a real estate person so it's like let's buy some houses let's let's rent them out you know and let's have some passive income coming in let's pay off these houses continue to rent them out and have this money coming in right that way, when I'm asleep, somebody else is mailing me a check. You know what I'm saying? They ain't going to Bank of America. It's not going to Chase. It's not going to LendingTree.com. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. all of that is all of that is like you learn it, then you start applying it, and then when you fail, you learn from what what you found out, and you keep on moving. Because in my world, failures are simply findings. That's all they are. When you fail something, you find out something. If you're paying attention. If you and so, it. yeah, you know what I mean? So so every time I fail, fail something, I'm finding out something, then I'm just using it uh, for the next thing that, I'm, that, that I endeavor to do. So for me, I feel like um, every one of these pivots have been uh, a learning for me to understand that my life is not my own. His plans are way bigger than mine. Because I, I would have still been a lead pastor right now and content doing it. Mm. Uh, but his plans are way bigger than mine. And um, where he leads, I will follow. Doesn't Jeremiah 29, 11 say, for I, know I, for I know the plans I have for you? I don't know the entire scripture, but yeah, it, it was sometime this year it, I, when I was going to the gym, it was a worker that was working there. And she had just got a new job. And I'm like, okay, let me go ahead and get her a card just because of this this door is closing. But just because this one is closed doesn't mean another opportunity is not present. So sure. the card that I got her, it had Jeremiah 29 11. I mm. read him. I read, I said, ooh, I need two of these. I need one right. for <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. 
and, and you said something that was so important is that when you're around successful people or uh, successful entrepreneurs, you were a fly on the wall. You don't need to know what to ask, but you just need to see how they move and why they That's move right. in the way, what they're saying, how they're communicating. That's I, right. I, I was fortunate enough to be in the room with Grant Cardone. Do you know who that is? Yes, sir, I do. Tim, when I tell you, it, it was like mind-boggling. I've never been in a room like this. And it was like millionaires. He, Grant Cardone made a statement. He said, this room has $1.9 billion in here. He was like, this, mine is my income. Mine is everything I got going. It's just y'all. Yeah, said, for sure. Not my pockets, because my pockets ain't even in there. <laughs> right, 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 right. I'm like nowhere near. But it was yep. the fact that I was in the room to be around other people that's successful and why they're moving a particular way, what they're saying, how they're communicating. It's this guy named Bill Allen, very successful real estate entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. I, I don't remember her name, but it was three people like talking right behind me. And I'm right, I'm sitting right in front of them. Tim, Bill, Bill was like, I feel like you're out of this conversation. Do you want to join? I said, no, I don't, because I'm just listening. Yes, sir. Y'all not talking to me. Y'all talking to me to each other, but y'all right. let me listen. Y'all yeah. listen. I can I cannot pay for that. Just yeah, keep for talking. Sure. Just keep yeah, talking. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm seeing like, like <laughs> it was so much information. So yeah. much information. It's the fact that business has to be learned just like you have to learn how to believe in yourself while having faith. That's right. It takes work. It takes yeah, it work. does. So how did you Let's, let's talk about the B side. How did you learn how to create an app that give people a safe place to grow, learn, and to be comfortable with themselves? Yeah, so um, I didn't have to learn the app. All I had to do was be around people that knew how to do apps. Mm. So I had the vision for the app. Mm -hmm. And I and then God connected me with people that knew how to build the tech and to build out the infrastructure of the app. So, so um my inspiration around being in the tech world is is uh, Steve Jobs. Um, Steve Jobs had the iPad in his head uh, years before the iPad was in our hands. Um, if you uh, you know, Steve got kicked out of his own company, Apple, mm -hmm. and he wound up starting Pixar. And so the first Incredibles movie, uh, there's actually an iPad in that movie. What? There's an iPad in that movie. So um, when the dad goes into uh, one his office inside the house, he pulls out an iPad to get the information to start that first adventure in that first movie. So his idea kept showing up. He he knew what he wanted it to look like. He knew how it what the you know the mission God has for you. And for me, the only thing he's ever given me is a vision. The only thing he's ever given me is an idea. I have a high school diploma. I don't have any secondary education, but I get vision. And once I get visions, then he puts parts, then he brings smart people around me to fulfill that vision because I can articulate that vision well because I can speak well. I can paint pictures in people's mind. And so my real strength is uh, being able to take uh, intangible philosophical ideology and give it a tangible expression that people can interact with. That's how the B side is. That's how the basement is. And so this platform was built by people 10 times smarter than me um, for us to have a safe place 
to uh, leverage the voices of people that are not opposed to being vulnerable and giving people that want to join in that vulnerability a safe place to uh, express and practice that act. Because your testimonial builds relatability. That's right. The, what, 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 I, what I've learned, the video, not the video, you did a, a conference a couple of weeks ago. And when I was watching, you said something that was very important, very vital. You said a lot, but the one that really caught my attention, I was like, yes, that, that's all I need to hear. Yes, sir. You, you didn't like when people called you Pastor Tim Ross or that's Pastor right. Ross. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was ironic enough. It was like when I was in Marine Corps, you know, when you pick up rank and, and start gaining power or whatnot, people that, that don't have as much rank look at you differently. Correct. They look at you and put you on a higher pedestal, like, hey, you're higher than me, but I'm going to respect you, not because of the person you are, because of what you have. Right. The fact that you was able to identify that and be like, pastor's not me. I, I am a pastor, but that's, that right. doesn't identify me because I identify myself. That's right. That was so powerful. Was that from when you was nine and learning about yourself? Or when, when did you learn how to be comfortable with everything that you was doing? and not let a title dictate the personality of you. Yeah, so I was in my 20s when that happened. Um, I, I uh, you know, I was, I had already done really, really good before I moved to Dallas and before I, before I gave my life to Jesus, really. Like, you know, when you're getting in clubs at 16 years old and you battle rapping and you close to signing record deals and you, you see you see people in person that most people only see on TV. It just you, you everybody gets normalized to you. When you grow up in LA and you can see Shaquille O'Neal at the at the red light in, in his you, you know modified like suburban, or you can see Brian McKnight at Venice Beach at the height of his success, just strolling his kids around. You just realize everybody's human. So when I got into when I got into the church world, especially in the South. I just saw how titles made people change, not just the people that were around them, but the people that actually held the titles. And I was just like, man, what are we doing here? Like the scripture is all against that. Like the Bible is very, very clear on how important names are. Abraham had his name changed, not his title changed. Jacob wrestled with God to the breaking of day to get his name changed, not his title changed. Right. Jesus came with a name that is above all names, not a title that's above all titles. So I'm, I'm reading I'm reading scripture and I'm like, man, this is too easy. My name means something. My name, Timothy, means honoring God and honored by God. And so. Pastor is a pastor is a is a title that just describes what I do for now. And if I were to put all of my. Uh, all of my self-esteem and my worth in that title, then as a podcaster, I, I should be depressed right now. Mm. I should I should be drinking a bottle of something. I should be rolling up a blunt on this interview, sad and, and depressed and trying to like escape the feeling of like, man, I'm not a pastor no more. Man, I'm trying to do the best I can as a podcaster, but I don't know why the Lord, you know, gave me this demotion. Nah, man, like it's it's a 
Pastoring is not a life sentence. It's not a prison sentence. It's a calling. And if he calls you to it, you should do it to the best of your ability. And when he calls you from it, you should let it go. That's every season. Like, I love the season I'm in, bro. If the, if the Holy Spirit says, hey, I need you to pivot, I, I bet you I dropped this thing like a bad habit. <laughs> it, it, it literally wouldn't be no thing, bro. Because I want to, if he ain't with me, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. If he's with me, I will do it. If he's not with me, I'm not going to do it. There's no need. Mm. And that's interesting. Let, a, couple, a couple of days ago, I was talking to my lady. I was like, that's, that's crazy. Last couple of years, I went from Little Rock, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas to San Diego, San Diego to uh, where, where we go? Missouri, Missouri back to San Diego, San Diego back to Little Rock, Arkansas, Little Rock, Arkansas to now Florida. Wow. I was like, huh, pivoting is a choice. You have to have faith in the decision that you're going to make. That's right. God is always with us, but it's understanding that every step that we've taken, he's providing the next 20, 30, 40 steps. That's right. Because he's so ahead of us. He's, he has our life on the plan. It, but is it fate or is it you putting work in putting yourself in the right time, right situation, right places? That's right. Me and my lady, we was talking, we was, we was talking about fate. What is fate? Is mm-hmm. it she she gave me a definition? I was like, hold on. Did you make that definition up or is that the Google definition? She was like, she made it up. I said, no, no, no. Let's go look it up. I hate that I forgot it, but when we looked it up, the conversation that we was having, it was more in depth. Because mm. we met at a conference this year. We met at a conference, but when we met and started talking, it was like we instantly clicked. I've yeah. been through divorce, she's been through a divorce. We we've learned because I'm only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where I put myself out there in uncomfortable situations and places to learn more about myself. It's mm-hmm. not that it's possible, it's only possible when work is done. Mm-hmm. You say that you the, the basement, the podcast came about. How did that come about and, and how did you know how the, the way that you wanted to go with it? Yeah, so um, once again, this was prompted by the Holy Spirit. So full credit to him because I didn't want to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, he he asked me to do the podcast. I told him no like four times. Um, and then I realized, I guess you want me to do it. And so uh, the podcast um, is basically birthed out of philosophy that the Lord gave me when I was 30 years old. He gave me an open vision of a tower that went up 100 stories. And everybody that was at the top of this uh, tower uh, were influential people in the body of Christ. And so when I got up there, I'm thinking that I don't belong with them because I don't have their influence and their status. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I realized when I got up there is that everybody that was up there had compromised and they were all holding some type of sin, weight or vice that was compromising their integrity. So I, I, I left the hundred floor, got back in the elevator. And I saw a button going down that I didn't see going up and it was a B. So I pressed B. I went down 101 stories. And when the doors opened, that's where the authentic people were. They were in the basement of this building. Mm. And so I felt like the Holy Spirit told me, get as many people to the basement as you can. 
So, so from the time I was 30 years old, I've been talking to people about this basement philosophy. And when he told me to do the podcast years later, 17 years later, he tells me to do this podcast. He tells me to call it the basement. And I'm like, oh, where you want me to call it the basement? He said, yeah, I told you to get as many people to the basement as you could. So uh, the thing that was very, very detailed in his instruction was the same in the same way you talk to you have mentored and discipled people privately that's the way i need you to talk to them publicly mm. and so my response was well i'm gonna get canceled because you know how i talk to people privately <laughs> and he was like go ahead and get canceled and that's exactly that's exactly what happened Vulnerability is scary. When can be. Going, it, it can be when you don't understand it. When you don't, sure. you've never been through it. Because when Absolutely. you get to this point, you can only go so low. That's right. You only go so low until you start learning like, okay, why am I here? When I was going through yeah. my divorce, I was lonely. I was depressed. I was sad. Yeah. You start to express and communicate how I was feeling. And I recognized I wasn't the only one that's feeling like this. It just feels lonely. Yep. It just feels lonely because we don't have the right people around us. One thing that I commend you on, Tim, is listening to the Holy Spirit. It's listening to God and, and you putting work in, in everything that you're doing. Because 17 you. might seem like a long time, but look at when you started. Everything is moving so quickly. It is. It is. That's not a coincidence. No, it's not. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, there's not is what it, what is what the basement is not is an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's success over 17 years that looks like it's overnight. Mm. That's what that is. Two years that looks like success. Mm -hmm. Well, it looks like overnight. Mm -hmm. That's what stops a lot of people, from my opinion. That's what stops a lot of people from trying, from writing a book, from pursuing their dreams, their goals, or anything that they would like to do. Mind mm -hmm. you, I'm only four years old. It yeah, took sure. three months to write a book. Tim, when I read when I reread this book, I said this book was ahead of its time. Mm. There's so many lessons in there that I wasn't aware of when it was writing. It was like I made the decision today, and today became the best. We are afraid of today because tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, things better because mm. we're comfortable. We're, we're, we're good with where we're at. We don't want to push ourselves. We don't want to work. We don't want to learn. We don't want to be uncomfortable not sounding intelligent because we don't know how the right information. Right. But it takes embarrassment to learn how to be comfortable with yourself. Mm. You have to be embarrassed, Tim, for 17 years. Because now you're walking in your purpose. You're walking in, in, in your gift. You're walking and inspiring so many people to believe in themselves. But when you believe in yourself, it's going to be rock. It's That's not right. going to be smooth. It's not going to be a smooth selling. No, you have to make a couple turns. You have to go, a couple, that couple, go down a couple hills, go up some hills, go in a valley that you've never seen before. That's right. But when when you're in a tunnel, the light disappears. Yep. Until you keep walking, until you keep going, until you keep being consistent, taking daily action. Yes, sir. 
when you're doing that, that's when the light starts to appear slowly. Not, mm -hmm. not so much. Mm -hmm. But slowly, you're on the right path, but can you keep going? Right. Can you believe in the process? Can you believe in the work? Can you believe in the time that you're putting into yourself? Because when you was nine, you're what, 48 right now? 48. That's 30 plus years of preparation for you to learn how to believe in yourself and show others that it's okay to believe in the process. Yep. That that that's that's so inspiring. What what are you most proud of, of, of about yourself for yourself? Um I, I'm I am I'm very proud of getting comfortable with discomfort. If 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 I'm gonna be happy about anything in this season, it's that I've I have learned to be comfortable in discomfort. Because when you choose vulnerability as a lifestyle instead of a moment, you have to pivot your mind. Hmm. I don't I don't have a I don't live in vulnerable moments. I live in vulnerability. The the I I do a group therapy once a month, eight hours. And what I told my group on Tuesday is, uh, I feel like with the basement, I started a nudist colony, in the middle of town square, where everybody had on their clothes. So I just walked out naked. And I'm looking everybody in the eye, asking them, would you like to take your clothes off? Because that's what vulnerability is. Vulnerability is letting people see you for who you are and giving them the opportunity to love you anyway. And so um, that's how I live now. I live, I live in vulnerability. I don't visit it. It's not a moment. I live there. And vulnerability is hard at first until you get comfortable with it and i am now comfortable with discomfort so i'm very very happy about that what what led to you learning that you was identifying how to be comfortable with the uncomfort yeah it, it was the fact that um there there was nowhere to there was nowhere to go to put no clothes on you can hide it yeah there's nowhere to hide it like i've already put myself out there so there's no backtracking you know we're we're, we're in a digital space now whatever you say is going to live on the internet <laughs> good bad and ugly and so i got stuff out there that i said i can't take it back it's out there i've learned from it i've grown from it I've moved on from it. I don't even think in certain ways. There are certain clips out now. I don't. I, I've changed my mind about the way I think about that. But people still running that clip. So um, you can't go back and try to catch that. You just got to keep. You just got to keep moving and keep growing from it. And when those clips pop up, or somebody else try to remind you of those clips and try to make you feel like your entire existence is 90 seconds of what you said, you know, 11 months ago, you got to be willing to keep it moving.
Because you can't be defined by it. That's one thing I learned from my mom. She taught us to always learn and be willing to go ahead when, when tough times come. Because mm -hmm. they don't stop up here. They just show up differently. They show up sure. Absolutely. Saw before. Absolutely. But it's when you continue to do, it's like, oh, okay, this picture is new. But just because it's new doesn't mean I can't fix the puzzle. Right. That, ooh, that, that, there's pieces to the puzzle that's solving the problem. That's right. Now we become more resourceful. Now that's we right. become more understanding. Now we, we become more graceful. You're a father and a husband, right? Yes, sir. How are you giving grace and showing what grace is to your family? Uh, well, th this is a this is a everyday uh, everyday practice for us. We what we have done is normalize vulnerability in our family. Uh, with my wife, with my kids, I have two teenage boys. Officially now, they are fifteen and thirteen years old, and um. Our lifestyle is vulnerability. Our lifestyle is living hot, honest, open, and transparent. And so from the time we wake up in the morning uh, to the time that we go to bed at night, we're living this thing out. We're living out grace multiplied. Um, I give words of affirmation to my boys every night, have been doing so for um, their entire lives, really. And they know before they go to bed that they are loved, that their daddy is pleased with them, that they are brilliant, that they're intelligent. And the reason why I do it at night is because even after a day where they've done the opposite of everything that I'm trying to affirm, the last thing they're going to hear from their father is that they are loved and that they are gifted, that they are special, that they are obedient, even on the days that they've been disobedient, that they are tellers of truth, even on the, even on the day that they've lied to our face. Um, we're, we're, we're extending grace to them because they're learning how to understand what it means to be a person of character and integrity. And at 15, you're going to get it wrong a lot more than you're going to get it right in the beginning. But if they just continue to put one of those wins, one of those successes on top of another, and they start getting used to it, things start to change. So with my 15-year-old, for four years, he had, he had just some real unmotivated behavior. And now, my boy's up at 6, 6 a.m. every morning. He's done with his work by 8.30 in the morning. I mean, while kids are still trying to get settled in school, the dude's already done with his work for the whole day. My 13-year-old is finishing classes for the, for the year, not for the semester. He's finishing his classes for the year, you know, three, three and a half months after the school year started. He's done with science. He's done with English. He's done with um, social studies. They're, they're just... They're dialed in in a different way. But I think it's because of the environment that we're raising them in. They're homeschooled. Um, Juliet and I have homeschooled them since jump. Um, we're, we're, raising, we're raising men. We're raising black men, godly men, uh, who we believe are going to leave an 
a mark on this society. And so, um, yeah, we've just normalized what it is for us to live our life. We don't want it to feel like it's different from what everybody's doing in like some kind of deep or unique way. It's just not. It's the way we've chosen to live our life. And as my sons can see, the choices we have made have been successful. Mm. You can you can either follow in our footsteps or you can take your own path. And I'm telling you right now, your path ain't going to look as good as the one that we got right now. But you can do you if you want to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. A, a blessing not only to yourself, but to everyone, to your family and to everyone. I don't know. Uh, have you heard this, this saying before that you can't pour from an empty cup? Yes, sir. The fact that you're able to pour into yourself first, the fact that you're able to keep faith in God be with you and everything that you're doing gives you a full cup plus more to pour into others to help them believe in themselves. That's right. You got to You got to serve from your overflow. Did you give a sermon about that one day? Um, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. So many, so many. Yeah, it's too many, bro. <laughs> so, so Tim, before we end, I, I do have one, one, one segment. It's called Best for Last. So, you, I ask four questions, and you answer them in, uh, in ten seconds. With a okay. So, first one: What are you grateful for? Um, I'm grateful for life. Okay. What do you regret? I regret not giving my life to Jesus sooner. And not being a, a virgin when I got married. And not being a virgin? That mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That, I got another question. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, how do you keep your composure? Um I talk out my emotions. Like like I literally I have to open my mouth and talk about stuff and then I feel better. And last question, what does failure is knowledge mean to you? Uh, failure is knowledge uh, means, well, I'm a literalist, so it means exactly what you just said. Like failures help you find out something that you did not know and you can grow from what you learned. Hmm. Tim, Tim, man, I appreciate you, man. Before we end, how can people work with you, learn from you, and support everything that you have going on? Uh, they can follow us on Instagram, Upset the Gram. They can follow us on TikTok, Upset the Talk. They can uh, watch our uh, content on the B-Side app. Download that. YouTube channel, Basement with Tim Ross. Uh, finally, UpsetTheWorld.com for all of the other stuff. There you have it. Before we end, Tim, what is a close, not a close, but what is a, a word of advice that you can give to the audience? Uh, you owe it to yourself to pursue your dreams to the end. And no matter what you find,